0: You're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff.
1: And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about Juneteenth, the oldest celebration of the end of slavery in the U.S., and how switching up your routine can make you happier. We'll also answer a listener question about why Americans don't say maths and do say Legos.
0: Let's satisfy some curiosities.
1: Today is June 19th, also known as Juneteenth the oldest known U.S. celebration of the end of slavery. But the date it commemorates is actually two and a half years after President Abraham Lincoln's famous Emancipation Proclamation that should have abolished slavery. So what took so long? Well, there are a few explanations, but one thing's for sure. The end of slavery was a long, complicated, and violent process. But in the end, it's something to celebrate. On June 19, 1865, Major General Gordon Granger and his Union troops landed at Galveston, Texas, and announced that the Civil War was over and that all slaves were free. Reactions from those newly free people ranged from absolute shock to utter jubilation. But by this time, not only was the Emancipation Proclamation two and a half years old, but nearly 200,000 free Black men had joined the Union Army in the meantime. You know, because slavery was over. But that wasn't the case for slaves in Texas. Since the capture of New Orleans in 1862, slave owners in surrounding areas had begun migrating to Texas to escape the Union Army. They migrated so far that there weren't enough Union soldiers around to enforce the law. So slave owners continued business as usual. It's possible that they just didn't know that slavery had been abolished. I mean, news traveled slowly back then, and some say the messenger tasked with delivering the news was murdered on the way there. But it's also possible they knew and just held out until the Union army came to enforce the law. But either way, on that fateful day two and a half years late, the last slaves in the United States were informed of their freedom. Even that wasn't an overnight success. Those who left their captors often faced the threat of violence and worse. That's why it's so remarkable that one year later, the newly freed Black men and women of Texas created their own holiday, Juneteenth, a combination of the words June and 19th. The annual celebration was a time for gathering lost family members, reassuring one another, and measuring their progress toward full freedom. Attendees would read from the Emancipation Proclamation and give religious sermons, eat delicious barbecue, and play games. Today, 46 U.S. states recognize Juneteenth as a state holiday, and many cities hold large gatherings in parks and city centers to celebrate. A resolution to make it a national holiday has even passed in the Senate, but it still hasn't passed in the House. Today, give a thought to the slaves who had to wait an extra two and a half years for freedom. Setting the future in the right direction doesn't happen overnight, but when it happens, it's time to celebrate.
0: Right now, the world is at various states of lockdown. Some people, like Ashley and me, are mostly confined to their homes. Others are either required to go to work or free to go where they please. If you're stuck at home repeating the same routine day in and day out, a new study has a good reminder for you experiencing something new can make you happier. Now, this might sound a little obvious. They don't say variety is the spice of life for nothing, But while tons of studies have shown the benefits of new and diverse experiences for animals, zero studies have looked at whether novelty in the real world makes humans any happier. To figure that out, researchers made use of GPS tracking and text messaging. They tracked the locations of participants in New York and Miami for three to four months and sent them periodic questions about their emotions via text. And yeah, they found that on days when people changed their routines, they felt better. When they traveled around to multiple locations and spent about the same amount of time in each place, the participants said they felt happier, more excited, stronger, and more relaxed. When the team analyzed the GPS data alongside each location's socio-demographics, like the population density, the characteristics of the residents, and the types of businesses, they found that it wasn't just new locations, but new environments that were linked to this mood boost. And the bigger the boost, the more likely people were to change up their routine in the future, leading to an upward spiral of good feels. So if you want to feel better during lockdown, it might be worth changing your routine a little bit. Now, we're not saying you should be unsafe during the coronavirus pandemic. Follow the rules laid out by your state and local governments, please. This research was done before COVID-19 began to spread, and the researchers realized that saying change up your experiences is easier said than done right now. But they stress that even small changes in routine could have benefits. Maybe start a new at-home exercise routine, try a new recipe, walk somewhere you've never been, or take a new route to the grocery store. Each of these changes could make you happier.
1: We got a listener question on our studio line. Let's hear it. Hi, my name is Randy. I'm calling from Columbus, Ohio, and I listen every morning on my Google Home. My question is, why did America take the S off of math and put it on Legos? This question made me laugh out loud. In case you couldn't make it out, Randy asked, why did America take the S off of maths and put it on Legos? To put it plainly, the answer is there are some bizarre differences in the way Americans and Brits form plurals. Let's start with math, as we say in the U.S. and Canada, or maths, as they say in the U.K. and Australia. This word is an abbreviation of mathematics, which is why some say that maths is the right way to say it. Mathematics is plural, so you should make the abbreviation plural, too. But while s is often used to make a noun plural, that's not its only use. And that's not its use in mathematics, either. Instead, it's being used as a noun marker, like in gymnastics or economics. You don't say you have econ's homework, you say econ homework. Likewise, Brits don't say maths are fun, they say maths is fun. That's because it's not plural. And just to put the final nail in the maths coffin, Americans didn't take the S off of maths. British speakers added it. Math first appeared in America in the early 1800s. The British maths didn't show up until 1911. That brings us to Lego. In general, American speakers play with Legos and step on a Lego, and British speakers play with Lego and step on a Lego brick. Officially, the Lego company says, quote, Lego is always an adjective. So Lego bricks, Lego elements, Lego sets, etc. Never ever Legos, end quote. But a lot of companies say stuff like that. If we followed this rule every time, we'd be saying Kleenex tissue and iPad Pro devices and Jacuzzi whirlpool baths. And we don't. Really, this difference comes down to our different approaches with so-called count nouns and mass nouns. Count nouns refer to things you can count, like noodles or oats, while mass nouns refer to things you don't, like rice and oatmeal. This rule isn't very precise, which leaves a big opening for cultural influence. In the U.S., we use countable nouns to make mashed potatoes and scrambled eggs. In the U.K., they dine on the mass nouns of mashed potato and scrambled egg. In the U.S., you pay your taxes. In the U.K., you pay your tax. It's opposite with other words. It's sports in the US and sport in the UK, Australia, and Canada. Why do we have these differences? Well, culture, habit, and preference. Worrying about what's correct ignores the fact that language is a tool that evolves with the speaker's needs. Both versions of English serve a purpose. You say potato, I say potatoes. Let's call the whole thing off. Thanks for your question. If you have a question, send it in to podcast at curiosity.com. Or leave us a voicemail at 312-596-5208.
0: Before we recap what we learned today, here's a sneak peek at what you'll hear next week on Curiosity Daily.
1: Next week, you'll learn about how lockdown is changing our perception of time, why the most devastating meteor on record may have never even landed, where seedless fruit comes from, how virtual therapy can be just as effective as in-person therapy, and more. Okay, so now let's recap what we learned today.
0: But we learned that Juneteenth is the oldest known U.S. celebration of the end of slavery, but the date is bittersweet since it came two and a half years after slavery had actually been abolished. And I'm a little embarrassed to say this, but when Ashley said we should do a story on Juneteenth, I replied with, I don't know what that is. Um, I mean, I don't think people should feel bad about not knowing something, because if you don't know something, you just don't know it, right? Like, learning is good, and I learned it. But... It's really unfortunate that I'm the age that I am before being taught about this.
1: I didn't hear the word Juneteenth until I moved to Texas for college. And even then, I didn't know what it was. It took a few more years for me to even figure out what the word referred to. So totally with you.
0: Yeah, I hope that that changes in the future and then we can all grow up knowing what Juneteenth is and why it's so important.
1: And we learned that switching up your routine or exploring a new environment is linked with greater happiness. So try to shake things up a bit. I feel like this is a really big lesson for me. I have been following the exact same routine every single day in quarantine, and uh, I really got to get out there and and shake it
0: up. You started bird watching.
1: Yes, I got a bird feeder, and I have just made plans with my boyfriend to opening permitting walk to the lakefront and use binoculars to actually go birding out in nature.
0: And you've been playing Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild.
1: I have been. And that's really, that has been a bright spot in a dark world. <laughs> I've really been enjoying it.
0: Yeah, where do you get to Ganon? We'll see how bright that is. <laughs> And by the way, switching up your routine also ties into how we perceive time during lockdown. And we'll be doing a story about that on Monday, as Ashley alluded to. So definitely tune in for that because it's really interesting. Totally. And we also learned that math is actually how everyone used to say the word math until the British added the S in 1911. And other word differences like Lego versus Legos mainly come down to cultural differences, not to mention habit and personal preference.
1: Grammar in English is something that I have made a complete turnaround on. I used to correct everyone's grammar. And I now realize that we are not beholden to language. Language is a tool that we use how we see fit. And we use it to communicate in the way that we want to. And that's just fine.
0: It is also a marker of privilege. Right. I mean, like, If you correct someone on Twitter, let's say for misspelling something, it's like you're kind of talking down to them as if they're like a lower social class and maybe they're not, you know, maybe they didn't receive the same quality education or upbringing as you. So it's a very like classist thing to do at the end of the day. And I've had to remind myself of that several times. I still get mildly annoyed when corporations put out little typos and stuff. But like if it's a small business and they have limited resources, you know, sometimes stuff will slip. So I try to be less judgmental, but it is kind of hard because it's so structured, right? It's kind of hard to ignore because it's so structured. And, and if you have a brain that gets little dopamine hits when you see something fit perfectly into a structure, then it can be frustrating and then you want to express it. But at the same time, you can actually kind of um, be inconsiderate when you do that. So, yeah, I've, I've, I'm in the same place as you. It's, it's like this instinct, but, you you know, it's probably better to just not correct people sometimes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Maybe just, like, listen to the thing they have to say instead of trying to nitpick it.
0: Also important. Don't want to miss the forest for the trees. Exactly. Today's stories were written by Ashley Hamer and Kelsey Donk and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily.
1: Today's episode was produced and edited by Cody Goff.
0: Have a great weekend, try something new, switch up your routine, and join us again Monday to learn something new in just a few minutes.
1: And until then, stay curious.